Asia Pacific Report with Sanusha Naidu. Sanusha, good morning. I hope you're keeping well. Uh, good morning. I'm well. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, undeterred by what's happening in Gaza, thousands of Indians are turning up for jobs in Israel. Yes, um, this is quite an interesting story because what's happening in Israel right now is due to the co- uh, conflict in Gaza, a lot of the Palestinians who work in Israel held territory have now had their permits stopped or not issued. And so this has left a kind of vacuum in the labor market in Israel. And what's going on is um, in India, the uh, Israeli companies now are looking for uh, what you call external labor. Um, and this external labor is in the construction sector, service sector, all of that. And so in India, there's a desperate need for for, for jobs. And these individuals are applying for to go to Israel and to work in those sectors that have been left vacant or there's a vacuum based on the fact that in in terms of what the permits that have been issued and the, 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 the lack of movement of labor from Palestinian uh, territory to the Israeli territory has been stopped because of the conflict. So in many ways, uh, and, and the sectors, you know, in, in this is really not something that um, is... is new in terms of migrant labor moving from South Asia to parts of the Middle East, the Gulf region, as well as the Southeast Asia. But it actually makes, uh, you know, in terms of what the context of the conflict is now, it raises questions from, from the Indian side as well to say that, you know, what is this whole thing around your diplomatic relations with Israel? But also it raises questions around, you know, how safe is it for these migrant laborers to be actually going to to work in Israel, um, and in terms of what impact this will have on their on their lives, and it's also something that needs to be noted that the remittance that these migrant laborers bring back to India or wherever is quite important for taking care of families, etc. So you also have to look at it in the context of the economic condition as well, or the economic context of India, where uh, people are desperate to find jobs and they're moving out of the the the, the boundaries of India. Now, Asian exporters uh, are facing more Red Sea risks after the U.S.-led attacks on Houthis and uh, alternative routes uh, are adding to the high costs. Yes, so the the, the Red Sea has become quite a maritime spot because this is where most of the heavy traffic takes place in terms of shipping lanes. And the the, the current conflict or the current tensions and, and, and attacks by uh, the U.S. and U.K. on Houthi rebels and vice versa has now made that uh, maritime area, that ship lane, very dangerous. So for for com- for, for 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 countries in, in 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 Asia, particularly in terms of their demand and supply, their shipping routes, their their export-led routes, etc., that becomes quite a, that becomes quite an important uh, uh, point of of uh, moving goods and services. And so this now has led to uh, an impact on Asian exports. So especially to Europe, especially to uh, to, to parts of, of uh, the U.S., to North America, and of course to uh, uh, South America. And this has now created an impact in terms of how this impacts on economic growth of these countries, but also in terms of economic development but also in terms of returns on investments and trade. And so 
Asian exporters, like everyone else, is feeling the the, pay, the, the pinch here because as those as the uh, conflict or the tensions in the Red Sea intensified, there's a blockade. Um, and one of the things that's fascinating is that the Houthi rebels have also made this very uh, statement not long ago to say that. What's going on there is that they won't allow certain of the ships, um, that's, that your 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 big cargo ship um, with um, massive amounts of cargo to 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 enter or to leave through the the Red Sea to use it as a as a trade uh, uh, base, especially ships that are from the U.S. and the U.K. So there's been uh, some kind of of relaxation to allow that are coming, especially those owned by Asian companies. But it's very difficult to determine how they how they go about doing that. And so there's this, this, this tension around that. And of course, what this means is that the risks for Asian exporters is not just in terms of the financial crop. It's also the risk in terms of um, the kinds of, of goods and services they're exporting, especially goods which will then actually impact on their uh, on their uh, what you call this balance of payment and um, foreign currency uh, reserves. So Modi is uh, under fire for the controversial decision for opening a Hindu temple in Ayodhya ahead of the key elections. Um, yeah, we spoke about this last week, and we said that this was going to be um, a very, very important um, event in the in, in the Hindu uh, in the in the election calendar for the BJP, and it happened this this week uh, on Monday, where it was done with a lot of uh, media coverage uh, around the world for. For, 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 for Indian media as well as for the Indian diaspora, particularly the Hindu diaspora across um, the globe. And the interesting thing about this um, opening of the Ayodhya temple um, on that uh, uh, space where the mosque uh, the was. The Babri mosque, yes. The Babri mosque was, yeah. Is that some analysts are saying that this is not necessarily done in the context of trying to, to to provide the kind of temple for Hindus is actually an election strategy that you are going back and using history, using, uh, using historical narrative and using religion in order to get people to come back and say, or to, or to look at it and say, we have now kind of revised the historical narrative. We've kind of reclaimed the narrative or and reclaimed the, the the cultural hegemony over the space and it's going to be an election tool in order for the BJP to go out and say look we've done something that no other uh, uh, government in India was able to do and, and mainly use that as a tool and a, an, an election strategy against the Congress party or any other opposition that basically will, will be contesting and I think that in itself on, on, in terms of what this is, what what the real intention of opening up the Barbary, uh, opening up the uh, the uh, temple on on that land was really not about um, some kind of historical issue. It was really about the elections and how you're going to use this as part of trying to attract voters to vote for the BJP based on the kind of Hinduist approach that the BJP has now 
embedded in its election cycle, but also based on its identity. And if you're listening to a number of different radio stations that have been covering this, both in South Africa, but also the international media houses, as well the, of, of, of the diaspora that have been talking about this whole um, uh, uh, launch and etc. of the of the of the of the temple. It also is not just about the temple. It's a massive economic space as well, which is going to be used to try and uh, revitalize the economic engagement and try and revitalize Hinduism in the in in that context. So I think in that way. It's quite important for us to to remember that this has now moved beyond the, the realms of just religion to a political in, in engagement and an electoral engagement, and how this is going to try and be used to to reinforce the the BJP's um, thinking, but also reinforce the idea and the identity of Hinduism and what is basically trying to rewrite historical narrative for an election strategy. Sanusha, as always, thank you for your time. We really appreciate it. Welcome. Take care. Have a great week. You too. That was this week's Asia-Pacific Report with uh, Sanusha Naidu.